Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey toward publication. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write in several genres. My current work in progress is mostly dystopian. I'm Janie Hirschberger, and I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. And welcome to our very first episode. Hello, ladies. Yay. Hi. <laughs> Every week when we come together after our introductions, we will have a moment where we call the, the what's up, where we check in with each other, see where we are in our writing journey or in our lives in general. So this week, what's up? Let's start with you, Tina. Well, I'm working on a rewrite of my current and work in progress. Uh, and my goal is to get Act 1 finished by the end of June. Good. Oh, well, me, I am currently working on book three of a series of four Christian historical romance novels. Um, but oddly enough, it was the first one I ever wrote, and um, it, it, it needs a lot of work. Um, before this this month started, I realized I needed to cut about 40,000 words out of it, because I wasn't finished writing, and it was already at 128,000. Wow. Yeah. The That's other, a lot. It is a lot. The other novel are at around 70 to 80,000. So I need to somehow get down to there. So I did a bunch of cutting already. I still need to cut about 9,000 from Act 1. So I don't feel like I'm writing now, um, but I'm doing some restructuring. And these are my favorite two characters of the whole series that are this book. So I'm still enjoying it. How about you, Jamie? What are you up to? Well, I wasn't sure that my what's up was going to be a writing update until I realized today through various circumstances that my website is gone. Poof. Because, okay, so I published Second Chance about a year ago. And when I did, I created a website, but I I also had some issues with hosting. I'm not technical um, in the least. And so I tried to do this one it's a convoluted story, but the bottom line is I'm not really sure who was hosting for me and mm-hmm. when everything expired. And so I'm basically starting from zero again as uh. of today, which is fine because I wasn't like the most thrilled with that situation. And I since learned that I could pay less and get a comparable situation happening, but that's kind of where I'm at uh, rebuilding and why that's important is because I do short fiction. And I like to put a lot of my short fiction available for free for people to read. And that was a lot of that was on that website. It's a pretty big, (laughs) discouraging blow. So did you lose all that? You have other copies. um, I hope in my drive. But it was funny because scrolling back through my Facebook page, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that story. And so I hope it's all somewhere in Google Drive. I know I'm at least one computer newer now oh yeah i hope not i hope all of it wasn't saved as just like a word doc or something but i haven't been operating that way for a long time so hopefully all of the information is still there and why it's good is because i was about to swap out a lot of those stories and pull them and put them aside for you know compilation into anthology or something like that so starting over isn't such a bad thing i guess (laughs) you know and if we're looking at silver lining um, the fact that you're going through this is probably something other writers have gone through. Um, right. I know Tina has a website and you do it. It's hosted for free, correct? Is it a WordPress website? WordPress.com? Mine is not free, but it is. Oh, I, I have a WordPress through Bluehost. 
Okay. And I used to have a blog for, I had it for years, um, through WordPress that was not free. It was a paid one. And now as I'm working currently on my website, my author website, I have chosen Squarespace. So the silver lining is this will be a great future podcast for us to talk about with other authors because not everybody is techno or techie. Well, I seem to remember I enjoyed WordPress once upon a time. And then when I had to buy the domain and have it separate, it seemed like it was not quite as drag and drop. So I don't know. Right. Maybe I'll have to have a conversation with Tina about how. Because I like the ease of following people. Right. Oh, see, I, I didn't really enjoy that part. And I do, even though I, I am maybe a little bit more techie, I like the ease of Squarespace and everything that I need it to Um so, but again, we should be done. We'll have we to talk about a whole that. new <laughs> episode. Excited. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, our topic for today that we're going to talk about is um, really kind of something that is near and dear to all three of our hearts. And we're going to be talking today about writing groups. What are they? How do you find one? How do you start one? So first of all, before we even start, let's talk about what is a writing group? Well, it's well, a group. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Tina. It's a group of people that get together and support each other in their endeavors of writing. It we offers accountability. That's one a big thing for us is that we have um, accountability to each other. We're part of a, that's how we met, the three of us, was through another yeah. writing group. Um, so we get ca- accountability. We get social interaction. Well, let's go back to accountability, actually. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Why is why do you think accountability is important as an author? Well, because you don't punch a clock. And especially as an independent author, you don't have a publisher or an editor giving you a deadline and saying you have to have, um, you know, your next 100 pages into me by next Friday. So if you don't have external accountability, let's say your spouse or partner isn't on board with what you're doing, you're just living your family life and get busy it's very easy to back burner your writing career if it or if you have even another source of income right and let's be honest the majority of people that are creative do not marry somebody who's creative they often especially as writers we end up being the the lone ranger in our family and our friend circle um and Mm -hmm. people don't understand us the same way that someone who is on the same journey as we are would understand us Yeah. And, you know, you hear that phrase artistic temperament. And I guess growing up, I didn't really understand what that meant. But um, it was funny because I was having what I would consider writer's block. And one of my friends said, well, you just sort of have an artistic temperament. You can't just turn on and off the production of material. And so when you get around other people that uh, energize or help you to understand you, it can be very helpful. I know for me, if it hadn't been for our writing group, I, you know, we met after NaNoWriMo National Novel Writers Month, and I would have probably just taken what I'd written during that month and put it aside and not looked at it for another year because that's what I had done the previous years. But the fact that we were meeting and I was going to be asked, so how have you done and, and what is your progress, that inspired me to keep going. And I think it's important for your right to feel like a safe space i think you don't want to feel um, afraid to share because you're going to show up and everybody's just going to tear you down um you, you know it can be 
if you don't find the right group, I don't think you should feel obligated to stay. If you're, if you're showing up and feeling torn down more than built up, or if you're, if you're not even sure you want to share because there's that, you know, one person or a couple of people who just always seem to be more negative, then I think it's okay to, to say, this is not a group that works for me. And just, I mean, if you could just find one other person um, to encourage and support you, that is a writing group that is enough um, because you, you just don't sacrifice quality support for the sake of numbers, I would say. Now, are you thinking of anyone in particular, Jamie, when you're talking about that? <laughs> we all know what you, the three of us know uh, who Jamie's talking about or, or a group. We've been in um, a part of two different writing groups, one that is amazing and that we are, have all become very good friends and another one that we went to for a while and continue to go and all of a sudden we were like, why are we still going to this? It was nothing but... Um, negativity. It was more about what's wrong with your piece. There was no encouragement. And um, also the members of that group were not moving forward toward um, publication. And that's our goal. We aren't just doing this as a hobby and that's fine. Some people write for a hobby, but that's not our goal. Our goal is, is that we feel like God has given us this gift. He's given us our stories and we're going to publish and that's what we're moving toward. So the accountability helps with that. It's important, yes, that your group is all moving in a similar direction with similar goals. I mean, not to say that someone who is not as far along on their journey needs to be outcast or made to feel inferior, but it's really just difficult if people are not, um, like you said, in in the same direction, pulling towards publication. If everybody's just writing to improve craft, that's different. But if your focus of your group is defined and you're all sharing that same vision, it makes it feel more like it's worth your time to show up. Because yes. time is so limited, and especially if you are juggling family and your faith and all, all of your obligations to others, why am I showing up to this if it's not giving me anything? And I think it's very important that we be, I'm saying selfish, but I don't mean in a negative way. You know, I remember saying to you, Jennifer, when you're like, oh, what do I bring to writing group? And I'm like, well, don't bring something to entertain us. Bring a piece that you need help with or or think about what you need to get out of the writing group and then um, show up with that. Because if you have the right people, they want you to succeed and succeed. Now, sometimes you do need that um, to bring that piece just to entertain because sometimes like you get down and you just need a group of people around you to say, this is great. And so that's what you bring. But lots of times there are, there are, um, I'm thinking of one scene in particular that I just really struggled with. And it wasn't until I read it out loud to you guys and you were able to pinpoint this is what's wrong with it. I wouldn't have found it without you guys. So, I, yeah. Um, so that kind of leads into social interaction, too. Um, we as writers, mostly, I, I probably am the, um, the oddball in the groups, groups of writers because I am not shy. Um, not even a shy bone in my body. And, um, but most writers, I would say that I've met overall tend to be more shy and more reserved. And it's not easy for them just to get out there and to mingle with other writers. So a writing kind of forces that on you. Would you guys agree with that? I sort of agree with that, except I wouldn't want to scare away, um, writers because I don't think people need to change who they are, how they're wired. Agreed. But I think, Look, there's three of us, and I feel like when we're together, that's a group. Like, I just want to encourage people, it doesn't have to be 
10 people or, you know, whatever, but it is, I think important. Yes. To your point to, to find someone to connect with and to bounce ideas off of and to just get an add a girl once in a while, you know? All right. Um, another idea we had discussed before the show was networking that when you are in a writing group with others, then, um, that can work for networking. Tina, did you have something that you wanted to say about that? Um, yeah, I just, um, I had been reading about the Inklings, which was a writing group in, um, England that C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, and several other well-known writers were a part of. And their primary principal purpose was the reading and discussing of unpublished works that they were working on. So one of the things that was brought to that writing group and read before it was published was Lord of the Rings. Um, and out of the silent prophet or out of the silent planet by C.S. Lewis, he read that. And then, um, the book, all hollows Eve by Charles. That's another one that got read to that writing group. It was published. And so that was their primary purpose. And for fun, sometimes they would, um, read, this lady, her, she was notorious for having really bad prose and they would challenge, see who could read it the longest without breaking out in laughter. That's awesome. So like, that's what they did for fun. So that's just an example of some really well-known writers who got together and helped, and encouraged each other. And they were, most of them were published that were a member of that group. That's awesome. So when I yeah. bring like, images of really bad book covers i'm kind of like emulating these great authors there you go <laughs> Let's see how many we can look at before we stop start laughing so yeah that's really awesome i think that um you're the first one to ever tell me that tina about that group and that that they were not only friends but they were like accountable to each other which i think is a great example so. yeah yeah, and I think it's um, interesting who you can meet as far as a networking purpose. I mean, of course, everybody is a potential audience for your work, but you could meet cover designers, editors, um, people who can maybe trade skills with you. So it's important to not think of yourself as an island and kind of get out there. Now, I think you have to be careful not to become the person who's treating everybody like a tool in your toolbox. Um, because I think with the advancements of self-publishing, it's not just true writers who have seen there's money to be made off of writing. Um, and so sometimes it can be a little tedious to have somebody always like, Oh, hi, good to meet you. I'm Steve. Here's my book. Right. (laughs) But the, the genuine friendships that you make it, that does end up building a network of people who can spread the word about what you're doing and what you have going on. I think networking is so important too, because when you said that, I never really thought about it, but that's how I found my editor, that really kind of crappy writing group that we were part of. Um, there was a person there that, um, that I became friends with and, um, he, he's not a Christian and he's not a romance fan, but he's a great editor and he's become a good friend of mine. And it's actually been very good for me to get a perspective of somebody outside of the genre because, um, I, yes, you do need to write to genre. You do need to make sure that the what books that you write fit your genre, but you also don't want to play all the cliches. And he was able to pick out all the bad stuff, all the cliches, like, oh, this is too much. And so that was great. And I never would have found him if I hadn't been part of the other group, too. So, that's Right, because he wouldn't have been searching Christian writer 
romance writers, who need editors, you know what right. I mean? He wouldn't even ever have been in your circle. So exactly. All yep. right. So um, Jamie kind of touched on this earlier about how writing groups, not every group is a good and healthy group. And so it's okay. If you can't find one, you can still publish. Right. Um, sure. you, but like what Jamie was saying earlier, you got to find at least one person. Now there's, we have the three of us. But we're also part of a, of a larger writing group that's about seven people that um, has been a really good and healthy relationship for all of us. And it's harder to get seven people together at a time than the three of us. And the three of us kind of have um, similar lifestyles. So it's easier for us to, um, to get together. Our kids are about the same age. They're still in school. And, um, and so that just works out for us. Um, but if, even if you can just find one person to, who believes in you, uh, one person, one other writer, and they don't have to be the same genre. I think it's healthy to find someone else in the same genre because they understand um, the types of writing that you're, that you were doing, but the three of us write completely different genres. I write romance, which um, I know the two of you don't read at all. Like I'm the only romance writer <laughs> author that you guys read. Um, and Tina writes um, much, many different genres, um, but dystopian. And I've never really spent much time reading dystopian. And um, Jamie is a Christian, but she doesn't write Christian novels per se um, in general. Short works, um, science fiction. What else would you say? Um, fantasy. This, yeah, a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, well, a but couple of funny things. But. Yeah, just but so entertaining. And I love reading all both of your works because it's it's something outside of my genre. And it's something that I can... Um, I can read and enjoy. And that's when you know that you've written something well, when it's somebody who doesn't like usually eat that genre up and they're still in, invested in your story. So. And I have to say, I don't read romance, but I do enjoy your books and especially the historical, um, Thanks. the, you know, part of it. I love history. So I really like the historical parts too. Thanks. Yeah. And, Jen, you have said before that our faith is really what is the cord that binds us because we're all trying to walk a road of Christian lifestyle and balance obligations with career and all of that. And we pray for each other and we're in each other's lives. And so really it's about building friendships as well. Ultimately, if you can just find those people who um, believe in your work, you have to be careful though, because you, you don't want to be like your mom or someone who's never going to give you the hard feedback because you, you don't want to be that person on American Idol auditions that thinks they can sing. And everybody's just like, no, bro, you totally cannot because everybody has just been like giving them platitudes all along. So it's important that you feel safe enough with the people that you've chosen to walk with you on this journey that you can hear from them what it needs work because you know that they want your work to be better. So when they give you tough feedback, it's, it's just to improve things. Right. I agree. All right. So let's talk about finding a group for a while. Now um, we've kind of alluded to how we came together, but um, let's talk a little bit about how we found each other and um, maybe give some advice on how others can find groups as well. Either one of you want to touch on that? Um, Well, I met Jamie through a homeschool co-op that we were both a member of. And she said, let's go to the NaNoWriMo write-in, which I always knew was there, but I had never gone to because, you know, by yourself. So having a buddy made it a little bit easier to go. And we went 
and then ended up running into some of the other ladies in our writing group. And we said, well, we should keep doing this after November is over. And so that's kind of how it got started. Mm-hmm. And I was, I think I was the last member of the group. I was kind of on the outside, but um, I'm not sure. Our friend Ron reached out to me through the NaNoWriMo website, um, through our local um, group. And um, I'm probably because I put something about being on my profile. And she just reached out to me uh, just to like check on my ride and see how I was doing for NaNo. And a side note, I had gotten sick that month, um, like very sick. I That was when they found, um, I had surgery and they found cancer. Um, and she reached out to me and became a very good friend online just through that. And after NaNo and after I was healing and um, she reached out again and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a group, a writing group. Was this something that you would be interested in? Or we are thinking about it. I'm not really sure whose idea it was. And that's how I came on board was because she'd been a friend of me first and then invited me to come along. And um, it's been great ever since. I've, it's just been a blessing. Can we just take a little side note? And I t- can I tell everybody how scared I was the very first time that I went to our first group? And I know you were I, not alone. I know I've, I've seen this before, but I told my husband before I left, I said, I'm really, really worried that they're going to be a lot better than me. Because if they if they're much better writers than I am, I'm gonna like stick out like a sore thumb, and I'm gonna feel like the dead weight that they're dragging behind. And then I said, but I'm also worried that they're gonna be a lot worse than me. <laughs> because what if you were all terrible writers, and I had to somehow encourage you? You know, what if I didn't have that in me? And so, like ridiculous fears, silly ridiculous fears, and um, but Satan will do that to you, right? This writing group has been the best thing for my career, and it's been a really great thing for my faith walk as well. And so Satan is going to attack. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, and you think, oh, I could never do that. I could never reach out to somebody. I could never put that out there. I'm telling you, you can do it. Because the other person on the other end of the computer is as scared as you are. Because like I said before, I'm mm-hmm. not shy, but I was scared, very frightened to do this. Um, and it's been the greatest thing for me. So you just got to trust God, pray about it, and step out and do it. And it's like that new song that I just saw recently, Fear He is a Liar. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's a great song. That that's great true. Song. He's a liar. Right. I would second NaNoWriMo as a great way to meet people who are interested in forming a writing group to keep the momentum going because a lot of people who come to NaNoWriMo are, I'm finally going to write that novel. But if you can't connect with a national novel writing month, we should link them because a lot of people yeah. might not even know. I'll put it in the um, comments below. Okay, good. So if you can't find a NaNoWriMo meetup by you, I guess another thing to do is to just have conversations with people, let them know that you're writing, that you're starting to be more serious about your writing and you're, you want an accountability partner, you want, and, and kind of ask around. Sure enough, somebody will know a cousin, a friend, a coworker who also has a book in them that they've been dying to get out and they just need that person to tell them they can do it. They just need an accountability partner or something else. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose something like Craigslist could work or meetup groups or something like that. But I really feel that if you can get a person who already knows you to recommend someone, it's a little bit like dating, right? Like, <laughs> oh, you guys will get along. You know what I mean? Because the last right, thing right. you need is to be partnered up with like a chain smoker that if that's not your lifestyle, you know, and you're just like, well, how do I unmeet this person now that I've met them? So, um, but yeah, I, I would think a personal recommendation, look around at work, look around at church, 
just put your ear to the ground and, and find people who are um, in the same place as you. And, and I think that Jen had wisdom there to say people who are kind of in the same season of life as you, not always. I think that people who are more advanced in years are also good accountability partners because they can tell you, I wish I would have been as motivated as you are when I was a whippersnapper. Plus it makes you feel good because they're calling right. you a whippersnapper. Always hang out with people older than you. <laughs> always. And marry someone older. If you're not married yet, find someone older because you always feel young. Oh, oh darn. I robbed the cradle. It's too late for me. <laughs> and it could very well be that you... You start off with a bigger group and then some fall away. And that's just how it is because not everybody is in it for the long, the long run. Um, I think you just take people where they're at. And if they, if they show up for the meetings and keep you going, then great. Right. I agree. And I don't think I would use this as a first line, but if all else fails, there are tons and tons of Facebook groups out there and you can search them by locale sure. and find, find one in your area, in your state. Um, and they're there for every different genre that you could possibly write in. There's Christian groups. There's all kinds of stuff. And if you find a writing group on Facebook or a Christian author group and you um, use through posts and comments, you find a couple of people that you think are, are like-minded like you, um, reach out to them. Even if they live in Alaska or they live in Florida or Michigan, reach, <laughs> reach out to them because you can do exactly what we're doing. You can um, pull it up on Skype and you guys could do a virtual writing group. There is nothing wrong with that. Right. As long right as you find a way to be accountable to someone else, someone that will encourage you and help you to move forward. And will work with you to make your work better. You really, I can't express enough how you just don't want a syncophant or a yes man telling you, oh, your stuff is great. Oh, your stuff is great. You really want iron to sharpen iron and for you guys to both be united and making your work as, as good as it could be. Agreed. Yes. All right. We have about five minutes left and I want to talk just real quick, five minutes left of our, our daily topic. Um, a little bit about, so we've talked about our writing group. We've talked about how to find a writing group. But once you have a writing group, what does that look like? What do you do in a writing group? Well, it depends on the writing group because um, I'm a part of a couple different writing groups and we do it differently at each one. So for our writing group, we bring our work that we've been working on and we read it to each other, which I really like because you get um, immediate feedback. Yeah, if something is funny. You hear them laughing. It's Something's frightening. You hear the gasps, you know, in real time. And I really like that. And then when you're done reading it to them, then they give you feedback based on what you've asked for. Do you want them to correct every punctuation that you've gotten wrong? In my case, we don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, our other group, everybody reads in advance and then they get together. And the person who there's, whose work they're talking about has to be quiet and not say anything and listen to the rest of the group talk about what they wrote. Mm -hmm. So that's just a couple of different options of how to do it. I was in a group like that. It was the second one and I didn't like it because <laughs> I couldn't talk. <laughs> that wasn't my favorite. It thing. is difficult. It is. Um, I'm also part of a writing group that just writes. We get together just to make sure, and you guys are part of that as well. We get together just to write. Um, we try to do it once a week and we'll meet at like 
Panera Bread or Tim Hortons or someplace like that where we, you know, we can get Wi-Fi and we just will do writing sprints, uh, using the Pomodoro uh, method. We'll talk about that, all that into a, in a future episode, but I think it's good just to have uh, sometimes to get out of your house, go somewhere else where there are other people around writing to that make you do it. Because sometimes I sit here and think I'm going to write all day today. And then, but after I put in the load of laundry. And then let me wash up these dishes really quick first. And then, oh, I forgot I have to you know, clean the bathroom. And then I'll write. And then before you know it, the day's over. So I think sometimes it's good to get out with other people and just, just have like an outside office. Out of yeah, and when you homeschool, the kids are always there. Mm-hmm. So then they're always like needing something. Mom, you know, help me with my algebra, whatever. And so to get out of the house and have that be the only purpose is helpful. I and- think that writing group can look different based on what your needs are. Um, But I think that what is most important is clear expectations so that nobody is disappointed and that nobody, everybody feels like they're getting what they need out of the writing group. So what happens at writing group, I think stays in writing group. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What happens at writing group should be sort of discussed and predetermined within the first couple of times that you all are getting together. Because if, if Jennifer, for example, showed up and was saying, I'm going to get a lot of writing done here today, but then Tina was thinking, oh, someone will be able to critique my work. And there, there has to be a leader, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to self-appoint a leader. Like I'll just take control. You have to um, just set some guidelines to make sure that everybody knows what to expect. And I think that as much as you can have it be consistent, what, what is happening at right um, that the better personally, because I think that then people know exactly what they're getting when they show up and there's not. Um, and, and then also, so if someone is inviting a friend to come, they can tell them exactly what we're all about. You know, well, sometimes we do this and sometimes we do that is maybe okay for if your writing group is just about fellowship or something. But if you guys are um, moving towards publishing, especially, it's great to say, we're going to go and write you know, 20 minute chunks time with 20 minute breaks and, you know, we're going to write or bring a piece and we'll critique it. You see, it just feels different um, as long as the expectations are clearly set in the beginning. And our critique group, uh, which was the first group that we were part of, um, it took us a while, I think, to get a good rhythm. And we we had to have a few different times where we actually just had like meetings where we discussed, okay, this isn't working. We spent, you know, an hour and a half on Jen's piece because she's so needy. And then we needed... (laughs) <laughs> Jamie got 10 I don't minutes remember that. Time. Well, okay. So I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I don't remember who, but it was like that. We, we spent like a ton of time on the first few people and then we were like out of time for the people at the end. And um, so we came up with a plan that worked for us and that plan may not work for everybody, but it worked for us that everybody got, I believe it was a half, a 25 minutes and then a five minute break, 25 minutes and a five minute break. Now, if I came in and I wanted to read for 20 minutes and only get five minutes of feedback because there are times that I, I do need to hear when I'm reading the gasps and the laughter at the right time. Because if I'm not hitting that mark, then I've written something wrong. Um, but there's other times that people will come in with just a short piece, read it because they wanted lot, they wanted lots of feedback. Another time my friend Rhonda came with nothing written and she said, I had this story idea. I need you guys to help me flesh it out. So, yeah. so that works for us. We even, but we also scheduled in our lunchtime so that we weren't like eating and talking over people who were, it was their turn. And so that works, but everybody has to figure out what works for them. 
Yeah. And because like I said, if you become friends with these people, you're going to want to talk about life stuff too. So, but um, I personally became frustrated because it was a little too much. Let's get caught up on our lives and nothing about the writing. And that's sort of what was the impetus of us discussing, okay, what do we want to get out of this group? And I think that that's where the shyer, more introverted people are going to have to learn to find a voice and ask the people in the group to give them what they need, you know, whatever that is. If you need more time, you know, I, whatever. But the point is you have to find your voice and it's a really good way to prove to yourself that your writing group are safe friends that you can express that you have a frustration. And then uh, you, then you get everybody's buy-in. People are afraid of conflict, but sometimes if you bring up a, con- a conflict and then it's resolved, now everybody has a buy-in to that situation because they were part of the solution. So find your voice and ask for what you need from your writing group would be my advice. I'd like to add to it. Our, the writing group, we try to meet weekly if possible. But the critique group, we were, we were meeting once every three weeks, which is a nice gap because you, you need time to, to get things written and figure out all right, what do I need help with or what do I want to share. Um, but the other key point, in my opinion, is everybody needs to bring something. Yes. Now, there'll be weeks, like I said, Rhonda came once and she really needed help with something. And that was great. But everybody, because it is... Um, it is sometimes Scary. frightening yeah. sharing things. Um, Being vulnerable. I remember the yes. very first time I had to share. You guys probably didn't remember this, but this was me. I remember. So it was time for me to read, and I'm not shy. Ever, and I was like this. <laughs> and then I, I started remember. reading, and I, did, I didn't want to look at anybody. I was like bright red. I was like, I can't believe I'm reading out loud for my writing. So, yes. um, so it's. I think we had to make an unwritten rule that we had to stop saying things like, well, this isn't very good. We and, did. Um, I don't know, but yeah, because we were our own worst critics. Yeah, exactly. And so everybody, you, you kind of expose yourself and there's like a rawness to it that if, you, if I'm coming every time we have meeting and sharing something and other people are not bringing anything, then it kind of isn't fair to the person that is exposing themselves every time. Yes. So, so yeah. that, that's one of the things that we agreed upon too. And that worked for us. I did not agree to expose myself on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not this kind of podcast. Don't let work it out. We'll be right. banned from YouTube. All right. And with that, it's time to move on to our last segment. <laughs> yes. Uh, where we bring our What a transition. Mm. Yes. It is, yes. Back, it is back feeding time. We are every week we're going to bring a piece of writing that we share with the audience and um, get feedback from the members of the podcast. Now, there's two different ways that we'll do this. Sometimes we'll do a writing activity where uh, we do something on the fly. We bring it raw, unedited. We've not edited it at all. So the kind of feedback you would give for something like that is not critique. You would give encouragement, you would laugh, you know, but we do not criticize that because it's not been edited. It's just been, it's the raw stuff. It's it's vulnerable, most vulnerable stuff. Other weeks, we will actually upload uh, pieces of our work so that our listeners can also read it. We'll read each other's, we'll come having already read it, and then we will share some good constructive criticism for each other. We think it's important because not only do we need to do this for each other, like we need to continue to critique each other's work, but we also believe that other writers out there need to see how this works and they need to see um, how other Christians and writers 
can help each other without sugarcoating things. So it's kind of it. So yeah. So I'm just going to say one thing about like the backfeeding and the reason that that came up is because when we would have prescribed times for authors to share their work, then the criticizing or critiquing or whatever would happen. And I would say, well, is your back fed? Like, do you need anything else from us? Because there's this awkward period where no one is talking and you're like, can we move on? (laughs) So Mm. basically it was just my way of saying, okay, okay, Mary Lou, have we spent enough time with your piece? Is your back fed? So that's where that came from. All right. So, Sorry. So this week we decided since our, it's our first episode, we wanted to do something fun and because we really enjoy doing these fun writing activities. And so each of our other hosts were given the same eight words and with 15 minutes to write a story. We actually did this together yesterday and it was so hard not to read it to each other. <laughs> so we had to incorporate at least three of the eight words into our piece. We only had 15 minutes to write. Um, so today I want Jamie, I want you to go first and read to us what you wrote okay but oh, I wait, the to... words we got to share the words oh. first and i i can actually share them on this because <laughs> tina tina bambina left her list behind and um oh i was wondering her, what happened to that look, look what i found in the conference room it's chock full of great Be careful scary ideas. What you turn to. i'm i'm especially stoked about a story about a peach what's more vulnerable <laughs> than a peach do you get my reference <laughs> i have your book jane or tina so, <laughs> see that you guys have not spent any time editing. Yes None. or no? I, I turned that, my computer off and I've not turned it on. Promise okay. you. But the I words, okay. The words are, I forgot to say it. Sorry. <laughs> Wedding, scallop, fair, as in uh, F-A-R-E. Oh, no. I put face. <laughs> <laughs> you lose. F-A-C-E. Cons- concert, gondola, shout, skylight, and chips. You have to use at least three. We're going to see who uses the most. And Jamie, take it away. Well, not me, because now I lose credit for a face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know if I use face. Okay, so this is, how do I read it where you guys are looking at? Like, what am I? Should I hold this up? Okay. Sure. So here we go. <clears throat> Marcy and Jordan were in Marcy's mother's walk-in closet, having retreated there with their customary summer afternoon snack of juice boxes and potato chips. Surrounded by piles of shoes and discarded dresses, they lay on their stomachs, grubby feet in the air, imagining the way they would be proposed to as adults. My husband will take me to a concert, said Marcy, and just after the end of the performance, fireworks will explode from the stage and form the words, marry me, Marcy, in the sky above the Metroplex. How romantic, Jordan said, licking a salty thumb. My husband will take me to Venice, and he will pay the gondola man to sing me a love song. Then he will ask me to marry him, and we will kiss. Both girls giggled over the idea of kissing. Jordan made a small surprise sound and then jumped up, digging in the pile of shoes to retrieve a pair she'd spotted, golden with jeweled accents. I'm going to wear shoes like this at my wedding, she proclaimed. She slipped her foot into them and took a wobbly step. Jordan, stop. Those are my mom's good shoes. I'm not hurting anything. I'm just being fancy. After a moment of envious observation, Marcy slipped her feet into another pair of shoes, somewhat disappointed that they were much less fancy than her friends. In my imagination, I am wearing glass slippers like Cinderella, she declared. 
The two girls giggled and stumbled around like newly born foals, occasionally crashing into one another and laboring through laughter to keep themselves upright. Suddenly, the closet door flew open. There stood Marcy's dad. What on earth are you girls doing? It sounds like a herd of elephants stomping around up here. All Marcy and Jordan could do was laugh. Yes. Yay. I I think I got three words, three or four. It's so sweet, though. I love it. I love that picture of the grubby feet and the salty thumb. And mm-hmm. so, you're always really good at that. You're always very good at um, descriptive and putting somebody right in your story with the the, the characters. Like you can imagine that they're doing that. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I love it. All right, I'll go next. Unless anyone has any nope. objections. All right. Andrea watched the numbers on the meter slowly increase. She hadn't really considered how much it was going to cost her to travel all the way to Detroit via taxicab. Hopefully, she had enough money in her bank account for the fare. Her finger lightly traced the scallop edge of her veil. It was a delicate Italian lace, or so the lady in the shop had said. Very unique and very expensive. Just add that to the list of money she'd have to pay back someday. Gifts you can send back, right? But expensive Italian wedding veils? Those were not returnable. The loud buzz startled her. She took a deep breath and opened her purse. The name on the screen of her vibrating phone said, Sam. She hit dismiss. She didn't need to answer the call. All he was going to do was shout at her. What else would a jilted groom do after finding a Dear John letter that informed him that his fiancée was on her way to Detroit Metro Airport? She knew she should feel bad, guilty at least, but she didn't. Because she knew, deep down inside, that when the chips were down, Sam would do the same thing. Someday. Maybe he wouldn't fly off to Italy, but he would leave her. He would wake up one day and realize that what she already knew, that he didn't love her. She was just a new shiny object right now. But someday, when her shininess wore off, he would leave her. She was just beating him to the punch. Yes, she should feel bad, and maybe eventually she would. Probably when she was floating around Venice on a gondola. (laughs) But not today. Today she felt relief. Yay! Yay. That is like a reverse romance. That is like not typically, but then it seems to me like the beginning of a fresh romance. Like she's going to meet someone somewhere. So that's so funny because when I was writing it, I thought they're going to like, this is going to be so different than what they expect from me. And then um, as I'm reading through it this time, that's exactly what I thought when I was reading it. I'm like, this sounds like she's off to another romance. I, yeah. I, should, I should continue this story. <laughs> she's wanting the real deal. Like, how do you find... I wonder what the real deal would be like in Italian, because that could be the name of it. You know what I mean? Oh, the, yeah. The blah, 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 blah. <laughs> how do you spell that? I'm sure that that's not... <laughs> I'm sure it's beautiful, because I mm. love the movie Life is Beautiful in Italian, because I love the, the music of that language. Anyway, so yay. Nice job. Thank you. I love how you got the gondola in there at yeah. the end. <laughs> That's the first word that I knew what I was going to do with it. Like the very beginning, I'm like, it's going to be somebody like who's running off and they're going to be on a gondola. Like I like literally that was the first word and it was the last one I used. Well, Weird. when you use scallop for a veil, that was great. Cause I'll think of scallop potatoes or like or the, the scallop fish. from the ocean. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what Bambina did with scallop. I wonder if she used it. I did. <gasps> I did. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Tina. Okay. Can I say how hard it is to write a story in 15 minutes? <laughs> it's very hard. 
I, especially then, me, because I'm not a flash writer, and you two have done short works before, and you guys know that the first time we tried doing a short writing activity in our other group, I, it turned into a 40,000 word novella. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm not very good at this. But how often these short little exercises for fun have turned into ideas for bigger works. So, okay, here goes. The Wedding of Sir Archibald. Weinenheimer, Lady (laughs) Lady Abigail, was the event of the season. The whole courtyard in front of the cathedral in Venice was filled with guests that did not fit inside. The bride's wedding dress was laced in silk with a scallop scallop hem. The groom wore black tails and a top hat, looking like the royalty that he was as he helped his brand new wife climb into the gondola fitted out with bells and streamers. As they floated along, people crowded the arch bridges above them and threw down rice and confetti as they passed under. Shouts of congratulations and God bless the newlyweds followed behind them. As they turned down a waterway between stately homes, one of the garage doors opened and the gondola captain pushed the vessel up to the dock. Sir Archibald got out first to help his new bride, but as she stepped onto the edge of the boat, it wobbled and tilted and she lost her balance plunging into the dark and murky water that filled the garage. (laughs) Standing with a gasp, she stared at her new husband as water streamed from her ruined hairdo and washed the makeup from her face. Get me out of here, she finally exclaimed. Her new groom jumped into the water next to her, the splash of water soaking his new bride all over again. (laughs) He reached for her waist to lift her onto the dock. Get your hands off me, she cried, and then unceremoniously lifted herself up the small ladder at the end of the dock. The groom scurried up behind her. I'm so sorry, my dear. What can I do? Are you okay? Can I get you anything? He tried unsuccessfully to wipe the water from her hair and back. Stop it, she said curtly. Pay the captain his fare and send for some fish and chips. I'm famished. I'll be in my chambers changing into my traveling clothes, and don't you dare drop my food in the river. Yes, dear, replied the groom groom as he slunk away to complete his tasks. Lady Abigail huffed her way up the marble stairs to her chambers and ordered the maid to get her out of her wet things immediately. I certainly hope this is not a foretaste of what this marriage is to be like. And then I ran out of time. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Although it's like completely different than anything you've ever written, I feel like this is a total Christina Catane piece because you took something like you took a wedding story, we're like, oh, it's so sweet, and then you, bloop, and like we're like, oh, that's what's happening. Love it. Absolutely love the it. The start of seventy-five years of being henpecked. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but how gross to fall into that water in Venice. That oh. Was- so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. especially on your wedding day with like your dress good thing i mean good thing the public couldn't see right you know like that would be a tabloid fodder or whatever fun fun story that was, awesome. that was a really fun piece yeah oh, thank All you right. Great. I did want fish and chips when I saw the word chips and then they, <laughs> the princess is getting them <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> All right. Well, next week we're going to bring, um, we're going to upload pieces of work that we want uh, specific critique on. So that'll be a little bit different than we've done this week. So um, that we look forward to next week. But can thank I you, just everyone. say, oh, yeah, um, I just, I think that we should have a time for saying what our goals are by the next time. Oh, that's um, a great idea. We didn't like write it into our format, but um, I mean, I suppose we could either add it on to the what's up in the beginning. 
or maybe before we do the sign off, we could say, well, what is your goal for next week in addition to completing the task or whatever? But, but that's something to think about. Well, let's do it right my now. Goal okay. is to, <laughs> my goal is to have a website. <laughs> but I was going to have a goal of updating at least two new pieces to my website. So mm. now instead, it's to have a website that's actually up and running. Because we were going we to record every week, right? So it yes. has to be attainable between now and a week from now. Yes, exactly. So what's your goal, Jen? I My goal is um, I want to have Act 1 of the current novel that I'm working on down to 25,000 words and it'd be complete. And I want like, um, no gaps. I want that to be done. Um, and I need to work my website. So maybe I, that's a bit much to chew, but, um, at least, at least 25,000 words. All right. And Christina? then Christina, well, I'm, mine's still the same. I'm working on act one of my rewrite of lost in the land of the midnight sun. And I want to have that done by the end of June. What do you want done by next week? By next week? I am going to um, at least 10,000 more words on Act 1. Right. All right. 10,000 new words? Yep. Okay. And then check in with goals maybe at the end. Like, you know, uh, check in or whatever. Okay. So, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That just popped in my head. That's a great idea. Thanks, Jamie. It is. Well, this concludes the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Join us next week where we'll continue our discussion on writing groups and also discuss critiquing. How do you do it? How do you ask for it? So until next week, may your pen be prolific, your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Amen. Amen. Bye. Bye.